When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Kino Go, now in Victoria. Up to 20 million can be won every three minutes. Gamble responsibly. The Kogan Money Credit Card. A great value card with rewards and no annual fee. Summer Breakfast. Yes, Fireball Friday. We are locked and loaded. A different version of Fireball Friday this morning. Uh, it is Kane Corns and Simon O'Donnell with you with what is a massive McCafe menu. They're our official coffee partner. Get a load of this. Steve Monaghetti, my absolute, one of my absolute heroes, Australian running legend. We'll get Mona on to talk some running and all things that he's up to, including breaking records at his age of 60. Jack Robinson is Australia's highest-ranked pro surfer. He's going to have a chat to us. Sam Harper, batsman for the Melbourne Renegades. They finished third, and they await their opponent on Sunday's playoff in the BBL. Been a terrific season, I think, and a bounce back for the BBL. Brett Phillips to talk about last night's Australian Open results, some stunning performances as we look ahead to today's semis on the men's side. Questions without notice. I want to talk some footy and the man who turned 60 years of age yesterday, <laughs> Simon O'Donnell. Scoop, happy birthday to you, my friend. Hey, nice to be here. Good to have survived. How does it and, feel? Uh, um, I think I'm, I'm starting to mature. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> Getting to know myself a little more. It's taken a while. People said I've always been a slow learner. I think they're pretty right. <laughs> What'd you do yesterday? Anything uh, for lunch, lunch with the kids and the, oh, and the, and the bride. Yeah, so yeah, no, very nice. quiet, very quiet. As we get older, we keep things quiet. And I knew I had to be on the ball this morning. Exactly right. Had to be on the ball. Hey, how was your holiday? You fresh? I was, yeah, it was terrific. Um, fresh. Uh, had a good break over Christmas and, and did all the Christmassy things and just uh, went up to, to Noosa for a little bit. Hasn't that place got busy? Oh, Noosa. dear me. And I had a that, couple of days there. The new just leading into New Year and New Year's Eve, uh, with some friends, it's extraordinary. It is. I, I I love it. I just think it's amazing for the the rainforest and the weather and the beaches and all of that. But I I was comparing some photos when we were there about ten years ago and Little Cove there, which is that little popular beach. There was mm. hardly anyone there, and now there's just those big cabanas. They're they're everywhere, and um, I think the the social media age means that there's no real hidden secrets anymore um uh, they're all been discovered but yeah magnificent but uh so no but you big... are the only south australian i know that doesn't go to robe i've been to robe a couple of times every so many people seem to go to robe and i'm assuming i've never been to robe I'm, I'm i'm thinking robe is south australia's noosa equivalent yeah no robe robe's beautiful um gets gets a little bit windy um for me but we well, i've taken the family there and the boys have been there a couple of times so uh, like Roe, but it's not a not not a regular spot that we go. Mm. So no big party for you. No, that, no, no, that, that no. That was it. Done. No, I'm done. Uh, not a party man. A couple of nice um, uh, bottles of red to consume with once. No, I love yeah. my French reds. So I had a couple of reds, and that uh, oh, was lovely. Uh, you've been flying the flag for uh, summer breakfast, doing a magnificent job. It feels like it must be for a few months now with, with Sammy. It's been magnificent. What, what's caught your attention? Like I, I was speaking to Jared the other day about the Australian Open and how it hasn't, like, it's getting serious now. So you, you, you switch on to all these big games with massive ramifications. But 
throughout the first week and perhaps the, the start of this week, it hadn't really grabbed me. It feels a bit same, same. Uh, great athlete standing at the back of the court whacking it, but it's very robotic. That was that was my view, and I had the choice between watching tennis or the cricket. I felt, found myself watching the BBL, which is crazy to think you'd watch a domestic cricket league over a, a big grand slam. But what is what has captured you over summer? Has it been the Australian Open or not? Um, no, it hasn't been the Australian Open, and I'm a fan of the Australian Open. I, yeah. I, I, I quite like watching it, but I, I'm I'm a bit like you. Know, I, I've had enough of the 35 shot rallies. Um, yes, I, I, I want to see uh, uh, something that's a little different, a little more aggressive, and uh, you know, seeing some people live at the net uh, a little more often than than what they do. So, um, I, I'm probably the thing that's caught my eye, and we we sat back and watched it intently it's been the bbl uh, mm. I, I think it's it's recaptured people's imaginations it, it's relaunched, relaunched itself and it, it's there now to grow again and i think if they get next season right with the shortened period of the home and away games i, I think you know they've got a real real chance of reasserting themselves as a as a a watchable and popular sport again Oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. We've got lines available right now. You can that's the text line, of course. You can give us a call, which is even better. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. We'd love to hear from you nice and early on your Friday morning. We'll have some fun. Got a great uh, McCafe menu with some terrific guests, but we would love to hear from you as well. What has captured your interest over the summer period, and have you got into the Australian Open like you potentially would? Uh, crowds have been good from from what I've seen, and been some negativity around the tournament as there often is with scheduling and. Some other things, some criticism over the ball. Novak's father's, you know, carrying on. So there has been some negativity. But all in all, I think it's been a well-run tournament. But has it captured you? Of course, in the BBL, the Sydney Thunder take on the Brisbane Heat in the playoff um, today. And then tomorrow is the big one. Perth Scorchers, they reckon 30,000-plus tickets have been sold for their playoff against the Sydney Sixers. Uh, and the Renegades play um, the following day on Sunday. Their opponent yet to be decided... Um, get involved. I went to the movies the other day, Scoob, and I, I saw a very divisive or polarizing movie called Babylon. I'm not sure if you've Haven't you're seen a regular movie goal. It. Well, it's got Brad Pitt and it's got Margot Robbie, and it is one of the more unique movies I've ever seen. Go goes for three hours, essentially documents um, the evolution of Hollywood, starting from like the 1920s when the movies were without sound, and then they transition to sound, and they move on to more technology and, and better effects and all of that. I thought it was magnificent. Like I, Lucy and I went and took my oldest two sons and they loved it. But the movie has been smashed. So I want to ask the audience, if, if anyone has been, what was your verdict? How many stars would you give this movie? Full on. Like there's, there's all sorts of things happening. There's, um, yeah, you need you should be eighteen to see it is is what I'm trying to say. But I I loved the movie Babylon. I thought Margot Robbie is just an absolute superstar. But Colin Vickery is a is a guy who I follow on on Twitter, and he's an entertainment reporter. And this was his view of the movie. He says I saw Babylon this afternoon. It's hard to know where to start describing how atrocious it is. What an absolute stinker. And there was many others that agree with him. So I've come out and got, do I need to take a real hard look at myself? Because I thought if I was going to rate that movie, four and a half stars for me. So I four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Give us a movie recommendation. Have you seen Babylon over summer? Is it something you do over the Christmas period? And, and what was your verdict of it? Because I haven't 
witnessed a movie that has been as divisive as this one. Yeah, um, I, I'm but not there's... a I'm not a long movie goer. That, yeah, it was long. Yeah, and, and that's <laughs> I'd need a bit more action if it was uh, it was. Oh, there's plenty of don't worry. There's plenty of action. <laughs> I, I, no, but I, I need I need Maverick blowing you know a yeah, few okay. Russian planes out of the yes. sky and yeah. You know, landing in the middle of wherever, you know, after going 10.4G 10, 10. and all that sort of stuff. I, I, that's, uh, I, can, I can handle that probably for, for three hours. One of the um, uh, more atrocious things I've heard about movies was, remember Fifty Shades of Grey? Yes. Julian DeStutney's wife walked out of that. Oh, that's walked good, out of Fifty walk, Shades of Grey. Well, I don't think I've, I've never seen it. Nor um, I, nor no. I. I've heard a lot about it and the book. Um, haven't uh, <laughs> haven't munched on either, but but I've never heard of anyone walking out of or stopping reading Fifty Shades of Grey as a book or walking out of the movie. But I learnt the other day, JDS walked Outsky. out. Okay, so what movie have you walked out of? Oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. And am I off my head thinking Babylon was terrific? <laughs> I I just thought it was. This is because. Like, you're going to run out of ideas for movies at some point, right? Like, so you have to be creative with, because every movie's been done. Like, every version of every movie has essentially been done. And I thought, I thought this was very clever and I thought it was terrific. But I might be on my own. Would love to hear your thoughts on that. Uh, text coming through off the temper text. The summer of test cricket for me, even though it finished a third way through the actual summer. What is up for that? So criticism over that there, that was disappointing. Uh, Scoob, BBL changes to number of games occur from 24 to 25, not next season. I thought it was next season so as I. well. I thought it was a shortened season, but thank you for clearing that up. Uh, Tony uh, and the North Melbourne fans are on to me. Uh, I was quite critical of the club this week for their hypocrisy over the lack of punishment for Taron Thomas for breaking the law several times versus other players for just a bit of football unprofessionalism. Kane, good to hear you again. You are one of my favourites. However, I just can't help but be annoyed, like many others, how you are continuously jabbing at North <laughs> since Jason Horn Francis' arrival at your club. North fans aren't salty at him for leaving, rather the poor treatment from himself to the North personnel and his peers and the way he handled criticism. Other than this, mate, keep up the good work, <laughs> says my eyes pretty balanced, Michael. Um, and Joe's got in touch on the back of... Babylon, movie critics are out of touch with what the audience likes. That's why the critic scores and audience scores always differ so much. Well, there you go. It, it, is, um, it, it is interesting. I, I wonder... Movie critics um, should be neutral, shouldn't they? Yes. They should be neutral. There, should there be. shouldn't be any agendas being driven thought, as, no. as a movie critic. And I can't... Well, I, I suppose you can. If 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 News Corp own, you know, um, uh, you know, the rights to to a movie, I would assume they're, they're favorable. Going to get some favorable media, um, yeah. and uh, yeah, because it, it is a big difference sometimes. When people say, "Oh, gee, I love that movie," and you do, you read the, you um, uh, you read the critique on it, and it's it's just a shocker. Mm. You know, it should be taken off air. That's how bad it is. You know, it won't get anyone, but then it does one point five billion. Well, this is, and that's the case with Avatar. So Avatar is going to break the record. But Ron says off the text, half an hour into the new Avatar movie, I walked out and went to the pub. <laughs> and this is this is a movie that is 
I think it's done two point mm. something billion. Uh, was very expensive to make. So, yep, get us uh, get involved in that. It's been put What's, up for Best Film at the Academy Awards too. Yeah, well, I think the technology behind it is unbelievable. Not my cup of tea. I didn't didn't love the first one, but uh, my kids certainly went and had a look at it. What's raised my eyebrows over summer is your constant pylon towards north. When Kingy's back to pop you back into your box, Cornado says Big Rude. David King is back this time next week. I believe. So Fireball Friday resumes next week. Looking forward to doing that. And g'day Kane, I've heard lots of reports how all the Melbourne sides are going and also the SA teams, but I haven't heard much at all about the Brisbane Lions. Have you heard any news on them? And how do you think they'll go this season, says Paul? I think they will go pretty well, I reckon, Paul. Hey, last night on Sports Day, uh, Jared Healy got the phones ringing, um, Scoob, over um, his belief about what should happen should Novak, and we all think he will, win a 10th Australian Open. Let's have a listen. So my proposal on this Australia Day is that somewhere in the grounds of the Australian Open, given he wins a 10th title, we should acknowledge the incredible feat of Novak Djokovic and his total domination of the Australian Open and also his great contribution to building its historical significance by constructing a life-size statue of the Serbian champion Looking over the gardens, perhaps, or over his own dedicated court that forever recognises his great deeds on Melbourne Park and specifically on Rod Laver Arena. Ten wins is an incredible feat and even more magnificent when you consider those that he has conquered, including Nadal, Sarandi and, of course, Roger Federer. The statue, in fact, would also reflect on and honour this era of tennis and the greatness of those four players who have dominated it and made such a huge contribution to the history of the Australian Open. So what about it, Jane? What about it, Craig? Rather than worrying about the future of the Australian Open than the nonsense that maybe Australia is going to lose the slam to China, let's further embed and acknowledge the great contribution of the Australian Open in its hometown in Melbourne by recognising for all time the battleground for the four greats of men's tennis and the man who created history there in conquering them all, with a statue and a pedestal inscribed with scores of each of his victories and his opponents. Hold fire on that, Scoob. Put the bullets back in the chamber. I want your views on that on the other side of this. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 Should Novak win a 10th Australian Open? How do we recognise his greatness? And is he, is he the greatest sports person of all time? I've got some views on that. We've got a $100 tennis-only gift voucher, tennis-only shop online at Australia's number one tennis retailer. Visit tennisonly.com.au. And a double pass to the Summer Festival at the Valley, 10th of February, for the best caller of the morning. We want to hear from you on the other side of this. Should Novak get a statue if he wins a 10th? Kino Go, now in Victoria. Up to 20 million can be won every three minutes. Gamble responsibly. The Kogan Money Credit Card. A great value card with rewards and no annual fee. Summer Breakfast. Dane Corns and Simon O'Donnell with you for Summer Breakfast on this Friday. Jam-packed McCafe menu coming your way. Steve Monaghetti, Jack Robinson is Australia's highest-ranked pro surfer. Sam Harper of the Melbourne Renegades there through to the finals. They finished third in an impressive season so far. Brett Phillips to wrap up the tennis action last night. Wasn't Rybakina or Rybakina. Um, just, she's so composed and so impressive. So 
I think she wins it from here, and I think Novak does as well. Question without notice. And last fans standing, thanks to Maccas. That'll happen after 8 o'clock today for your chance to win a trip to India, if you don't mind. It is one of the greatest prizes that we will give away this year, your last opportunity to do so uh, this morning. But we asked on the back of Jared Healy's editorial last night on Sports Day, if he wins the 10th, that is Novak, should there be a statue erected of uh, him to celebrate his remarkable feats? Raf's in Meadow Heights. Good morning to you, Raf. Good morning, Kane. Welcome back. Thank you. Mate, I 100% agree with Jared. That guy, someone to dominate our hometown, one of our biggest sporting events, 10 times, has to, be go, has to go up there. I mean, we celebrate all sports stars. doesn't matter where he's from. And this guy is an absolute, absolute superstar, especially he had to play against Rafa, Federer, Murray, mm. and these likes. Mate, mm. he's passed by a mile. Yeah, well, I'm not, I wouldn't be offended by it. I think we need to wait because he might win. He might win 15, Raf. Who who knows? I mean, he doesn't look like slowing down at all. This will be 10. You would think he's going to play for five or six more years, Scoo, but it is a, uh, once again, it's a somewhat unpopular opinion um, because I don't think Novak's liked that, that much here in Australia, but what's your thoughts? I think he can go on for quite a while. You know, mm. I, I know he's had a, a bandage on his hamstring um, right throughout this tournament. It doesn't seem to have slowed him up much. The fake hammy. The rest of the body seems to be operating um, like he's 21-year-old, not a 36- or 7-year-old. So I, I, think he's, you know, I think he's still got time on his side. This era, the, the Nadal-Federer-Djokovic era, I, I, it's just stunning. And oh, no. I actually did a little bit of research. You know, I, I, I really like Jared's idea. But I, I, I wonder if there's a, and I don't think there is, there's not a body that runs tennis. Like the ICC runs cricket, the AFL runs footy. There's not a body that runs tennis. Mm. You know? So I wonder how, how you do honour some of these guys and you know, what they do. So it is probably up to the individual slams to do it. So you know, who, who does honour, you know, um, I know, They'll name stadiums at um, uh, Flushing Meadow, and you know mm. they'll do those sorts of things at the Slam. So, you know, I, I, I would think you know he he's in there. He, he has to be honoured in some way mm. if he can at do mi- it again. Ten's at, massive. At minimum, a, a court named after. Him, oh yeah, perhaps. Yeah. At, at minimum, and I just wonder whether he's not the greatest athlete of all time. Now, this is impossible to have a. Um, definitive answer on. But if we're talking Michael Jordan and Don Bradman and Tom Brady, I mean, he's he's absolutely in the company of that. Serena Williams, he's he's eclipsed Serena. And to do it against the names that you've mentioned more than anyone else and to still be going as well as he is, I wouldn't be offended if someone said Novak Djokovic is the greatest athlete any sport all time. It, no, just, it, no it wouldn't offend me at uh, all. And if someone said Roger Federer... Or Rafa Nadal wouldn't offend me either. Yeah. You know, I, I think those guys, what they've brought to tennis, mm-hmm. and the other part of uh, uh, their success and and how the magnitude of that success is, it's a truly international sport. It's played mm. everywhere. You know, mm. times whether it's Aussie Rules footy or cricket, it's played in a number of countries. Like every country in the world plays tennis. Yeah. So that's the issue with saying Tom Brady's the greatest athlete. 
of all time. Like, mm. He's only played in one country, really. Yep. really. Um, and he, as good as he is, I don't think you can compare him to someone like Novak. But Nick's on the road. Firstly, uh, before we get your thoughts on the statute, Nick, where does Novak rank in terms of greatest athletes ever, all sports? Yeah, Kane, I think it's a really compelling case to say that he has to be in the top, well, certainly 20, um, mm. because his feats are just so unprecedented. I actually have a question for you guys, which is, in Australia, there's a, there seems to be a bit of a different perception of Novak versus someone like Federer versus someone like Nadal, who yep. he put up on pedestals. But when you actually stop and look at the empirical results, Jovak's got, Novak's got them covered, right? And in this country, we do this thing where when a sports person is currently playing and they ruffle some feathers and they play hard and they've got that, that edge, right, that, that brings them to greatness, we don't necessarily respect them in Australia at the time, but it's only after they've retired or moved on that we start to think, yeah, I can now respect that person. In fact, they've got some Australian traits. So in cricket, the examples are, you know, we've come around on Stuart Broad, who plays mm-hmm. the game intensely um and now that he's coming towards the end of his career we start to say oh yeah he's actually got australian qualities so we don't vilify him anymore we respect him and virat cole he's another one on the same kind of trajectory so do you reckon Mm. we're going to come around on novak in australia or will we continue to just see him as a figure who even though he's been an incredible player doesn't quite have the same noble edge as federer and uh, nadal very good question, Nick. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. Will we come around in four, five, six, seven years and look back and go, "This is just unbelievable what we've seen"? Because, I mean, we even do it in Australia with our own, and and David Warner and there's reasons behind it. But we've seen throughout this summer how polarizing a figure he is, mm. isn't he? But now, apart from you know the the Vax stuff, I think we can sort of move on from that now with the situation we are in. And look back and go, yeah, you know, he could have handled himself differently, but it's not something to hold against him forever. Well, you would hope not. You know, just a, a differing of opinion on yeah. to or not to vax, suddenly um, that clouds what you've done as an athlete. I mean, I think it was before that, though, that as well. Be like, I don't think he was super popular before that, was he? No, when he started. And he had those injuries. I reckon he had yes. injury problems with sweating and, and didn't like the heat. Yeah, and you know he, he kept retiring from matches. You know people were calling him soft and this and that. And mm. then you know, he he got what he needed into his system and and learnt how to cope with that and became the superstar he, he is. He, he, look, you know I I, I asked um, uh, BP yesterday um, just what is the difference with him like. To, you know, you, you watch them warm up. He and Rublev warm up, and they, they look think, the same. I know. Like, wow, you know, there's no, nothing <laughs> different here. And then next thing, you know, he's four one up, and Rublev's yeah. looking like he should be <laughs> playing in pennant tennis at Kuyong. And you think, wow, you know, wh- what's he doing? Yeah. How's he do it? And I've it often was, thought that as well. It, it, so he he brings you know this extraordinary. You, know, you used to see it with Federer with his backhand and thing, but this guy is he is textbook to the letter. Mm. But he's textbook plus, but he doesn't look textbook plus. Yeah, and his movement's extraordinary. Oh. Like his agility and his movement and his court placement's extraordinary. Uh, just on that man, uh, Brett Phillips, he's just sent us a text through on the temper text. Uh, there is a statue of Rafa Nadal at Roland Garros, of course. Rafa is not French. So, I mean, he's 13, I think, at mm. um, 13 
French Open. So, I mean, it's a it's a very worthwhile debate to have. It's going to be 10, you would think, um, unless something disastrous goes wrong with that hammy for Novak. And then we have to sit back and go, Phew, he's the, the best we've ever seen and perhaps the best athlete any sport we've ever seen. You can get involved on that number, the temper text, 40 winks line. Consumer's choice winner, temper mattresses, pillows, and adjustable bases conforms to the exact shape of your body. And the caller of the year is back on Monday, the 30th of Jan. You can call up SEM Breakfast for your chance to win a brand new Toyota. And it's not just any Toyota. It's a very, very nice machine. It's time now for a news update, which which means Scoob's off to get a McCafe coffee. You are listening to Summer Breakfast. Kane Corns and Simon O'Donnell with you. And it's all for the Kogan Money credit card packed full of value. Um, Plenty of sports news around the place, obviously, at this time of year. Let's catch up with our sports update for Toro. Above or below ground, you can count on Toro. Um, Some pretty solid performances last night in the semifinals on the women's side of the draw at the Australian Open. Um, Rybakina. She's, she's a class act. 23 years of age, and they had some stat last night that she's serving 10 kilometers um, per hour faster than what Serena Williams was serving about 10 years ago. So her average speed nearing 180 um, for her first serves, and she's clinical, not really a weakness in her game. So she's through to the final after winning Wimbledon. She knocked off Victoria Azarenka, who's a two-time champ. And Sabalenka got it done comfortably over the unseated Lynette. Now, Sabalenka has not dropped a set in the tournament, so she has been flawless. So those two will face off in the final. Um, that'll be on Saturday night, Robert Keener versus Sabalenka. It shapes up to be a good final. We'll speak to Brett Phillips about that a little bit later on, Scoop. We shall. Uh, yeah, both those girls have been impressive, impressive on the way through and have handled the pressure of building up to the final really well. So... Um, Hard to separate them at the minute. I think that's going to be a beauty. Good day's action today. Kachanov is taking on Sitsipas, uh, my man. So he's the number three seed. The Greek who's been terrific, has a lot of character. And then Djokovic is taking on the unseeded American Tommy Paul in the semifinals. No, um, the men's side's just it's just lacked a bit for me. And I, I, I think Djokovic has taken the, the, the sting out of me a little bit in that there's just that massive golf from him to the other players. That's what it appears. And you sort of think, well, hurry up and bring Sitsipas along with you. At least he might hang in there for a while with him because the, the others just can't. They we just needed, can't. Yeah, we needed Akaraz and we needed uh, a fit and firing Nick Kyrgios to, to really make the tournament. It has been a bit flat. I'm with you on that one. Uh, tonight in the BBL, it's the Eliminator. Sydney Thunder taking on the Brisbane Heat. That's at the Sydney Showground Stadium. Uh, and tomorrow in the BBL, the Scorchers play the Sixers in the qualifier. Then on Sunday, it's the knockout with the Renegades facing the winner of the Thunder and the Heat. And in some footy news, the last thing you want, Scoob, right now, as you know, is an injury mm. and an injury to an important player. I'm already worried about Hawthorne and um, how much carnage they're going to face on field this season, considering how young they are. Well, they lost their best forward. Uh, Mitch Lewis will miss the start of the season with a sprained ACL. Now, you could look at this glass half full because he didn't rupture the ACL and it must have been close. In fact, I haven't heard much of a sprained ACL. So I think he's just given that a good tweak, but it could have been 12 months. It's not, but we'll await further information from the Hawthorne Footy Club, but an important player, one that they could ill afford to lose. And they're only saying round one at the minute. They, they haven't extended yeah. on that. And I've never heard of that injury before, ever. Yeah. Um, cricket, footy, tennis, never heard of a strained ACL. No. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I'm thinking it's a 
it's a pretty quick recovery if they're thinking, well, okay, in a in a month or so's time, he um he he hits the track running, you know, just misses round one. That that'd be a a sensational result. It'd be a good result. The fixture of the AFL preseason round is set to be announced next week, and clubs also organising practice matches between themselves to be played at the back end of February. In your uh, day, Kane, how yes. many practice games did you play? Oh, we used to play heaps. Yeah. It used to be like the Wizard Cup and um, the Ansett Cup. So it used to be at least three, and then if you progressed, there'd be a semi-final and a final. And a couple of times, Port Adelaide teams in 01 and 02 won the whole thing. So you end up playing five or so pre-season games. Now that's been reduced. That's I think what? the clubs have won it reduced, but... Then they go outside and organise their own games anyway. So it's sort of uh, counterproductive, I think. And, and right now, clubs are playing intra-clubs almost weekly at training a couple of times a week. So um, they're just not just not sanctioned games. Uh, in bad news for you, Scoob, reports yesterday that Mark War will be the person to replace Michael Clark <laughs> in the commentary team for the upcoming test series after Clarkie was involved in that row, including, including Carl Stefanovic with his top off and the torn hammy in Noosa. You didn't get the call? No, mate, nothing. I, I, and like to say I rallied was an understatement. Yeah. You know, I went, I, I, I called on, well, I couldn't get on the SEN team for a start. <laughs> so I got brushed off the SEN team. Oh. They didn't want to take me. Oh, no. you know, they, they've, they've you know, called yeah. in Jared you know, off the super law. Like, seriously, you know, why would be Jared no experience in India how whatsoever? How many games did he play in India? Yeah, mate. How, how many times has he been there? Yeah. So I, I'm with you. So... Uh, I tried to rattle the cage on the fifth floor here and uh, had no luck. And then, you know, when Clarkie went down, I was concerned. Uh, I was looking for a – we were trying to get a, a medical um, report on his hamstring. That was the only thing I was concerned about. I didn't realise that there may have been other ramifications yeah, to his, him. His, Noosa, his Noosa Park activities. And so the option came up. And, you know, I, I thought I was in trouble immediately – because the headline the next day with Clarky gone was, you know, mm. the BCCI t- you know, chase um, test star. I thought, oh, that's a bad word, test. <laughs> you know, it's, it's ordinary. <laughs> One day star, you would have been right. <laughs> well, it's ordinary. I thought, you know, once they, once they put in capital letters, test, I said, I'll give us a break. I did read he could only be there for two games, Mark Wall, before he has to return. So if the last two tests, you still might be a shot. That was your sports <laughs> update for Toro above or below ground. You can count on Toro. And a shout-out for Harness Racing Victoria. Don't miss Harness Racing Summer of Glory featuring the Great Southern Star and Hunter Cup Summer of Glory. Visit thetrots.com.au. Plenty more uh, SEN Breakfast. If you want to get involved, line's available. In fact, you'll get straight through. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. We'll take your calls after this. A lot of texts coming through off the temper text, 0433981116. Disgraceful. How is Simon O'Donnell World Cup winner not on the tour to India, says Bill in Hobart. <laughs> Good on you, Bill. <laughs> Good on you, Bill. Uh, what about a statue of Pup Clark and Carlos in Noosa Park, gents? Let's push for that, says Mozza with a bit of humour for us on a Friday, Mozza. Uh, Kane, a fit and firing Kyrgios. You can't be serious. I refer to his Australian Open record or any slam for that matter. Cheers, says Chris. Well, he had a good season last year and he certainly would have made things a little bit more interesting on the men's side than what they have been so far this summer. Good morning, Simon and Kane. I believe we loosely use the phrase of best sports person of all time. How can you compare a brilliant cricketer against a brilliant tennis player? Best tennis player of all time or best cricketer of all time? That's how it should be, says Beverly. Mm, okay, Beverly, I'll take that on board. Well, I think it's... <laughs> 
probably the best tennis player I've ever seen. <laughs> I think so. Uh, morning, gents. Not too sure about the comments about Novak being the greatest sports star ever. Here are four names which rank a lot higher than him, in my opinion. Kelly Slater, Michael Phelps, Tiger Woods, Usain Bolt, and there's probably quite a few more. Have a good day, says Tony G, who joins us uh, from Sydney. Good on you, Tony. Uh, Novak is great, Kane, but I think Bolt takes it for the purest sport of all, says Bill. Well, what Usain Bolt has done will never be done again. No. Um, three in a row. That, that will in 100, 200 plus his results in the, in the relay as well. So that will never be done again. But I don't think anyone's going to win 25, 26, whatever he ends up on Grand Slams. No. Again, either. No, I agree with that. Uh, and, you know, that, that's, look, it's purely subjective what we're talking about. Yes. The, the, the bottom line is the performance over the journey of any of the, the top, these top three that, you know, their eras are, are coming, you know, they're, I think Roger's, you know, Roger's pretty much done and Rafa's not far off cooked. Um, and Novak's got a bit to go, but they've got to be on it in a in in the right manner. You know, it might be a statue of the three of them somewhere. You know that mm. that because you know the effect they have had on tennis. When you look through the history of the game of tennis, you know, to have three players have the impact these guys have had over this era is quite extraordinary. Name caught thirteen after him, and let's move on. Playing sport is not just about winning; it's about character as well. Says Ross. Uh, Mark says you don't win the same major nine times by a fluke. So smooth, so accurate, skilled, so dour and so strategic. He toys with his opponents, nails the big points and just finds a way. Never out of a point, will go down as the best ever. So that's Mark answering mm. your question is, you know, when you're watching, if you watch Demonor and, and Djokovic hit up before a game, to, to your point, they look pretty similar. I mean, very smooth from the back of the court. Then the game starts and you go, this is... Like like he's forty percent better. Uh, yeah, yeah. That that the gap between a demon or and, and he tries his best and he gets the yep. best out of himself. I think that's the best you know, um, description you can have of Alex Demonor. He leaves nothing to chance. You know, he trains hard, looks after himself. But you know the gulf between he and Novak Djokovic is it's extraordinary. Like, it's not just it's not just. You know, a close set. It, it's it's hard to be on the same court as him. Mm. Um, uh, so he, he, you know, and I don't know, you know uh, what have you got to bring to the table to beat him? Well, you know, probably the only guy from an Australian point of view that c- would get close to Novak playing well is Nick Kyrgios because mm. he brings that X factor. He can just punch out four serves in a game, and it can be all over in you know a minute and a half, and well, they change yeah, ends, well, and at least he gives him something to think about. He has beaten him, and I think Nick was was on Twitter the other night watching that Demon or match, and he said, "I, I can't believe I've beaten this guy." Mm. Like just watching the the display that he put on. Paul's with us. His professionalism is extraordinary. He's cutting edge and has brought training and sports science in tennis forward, not unlike what Lendl did in the eighties. And Dom has sent us a text through on the back of the Mitch Lewis announcement about a sprained ACL. He's a bit skeptical, Dom. He said it would be partially torn. But the term sprained doesn't sound as serious. Um, and I don't I don't mind that thinking. one three hundred seven three six seven three six is the number. Victoria Azarenka went down last night in her semi-final and um, she was asked about when sport and politics mix and she wasn't happy. There's been a, a, a lot of scrutiny about a lot of the Russian and Belarusian players here and I'm sure 
even if you weren't looking at social, you would have seen there was an incident with Novak's um, dad last night. For someone, is it difficult for you when you go out there to put all those things out of your mind as well? And, you know, um, do, do, do you think there are other players who, who get impacted by it? Other players get impacted by what exactly are you asking me? Distractions out of their hands and, and the constant sort of um, news and talk about... I mean, know, issues news, like news are coming from who? Well, from everyone, <laughs> social we, media. You were here talk. talking about it right now, so you, obviously it's a topic that you want to continue to bring up and up and up again. So I don't know what, what do you want me to say. For you, I mean, you're able to distance yourself from completely. Does it concern you at all? Do you think about it? Uh, as a fellow player, do you think it would have how difficult that might be for Novak? Um, I don't know what it has to do with Novak at all, to be fair. So <laughs> I've spoken to actually um, a security guard today who is, who is walking me to practice every day. Is, uh, I know him for years, and I just asked him what was the accident last year. So he explained to me, you know, and... Uh, I, I don't know what you guys want us to do about it. Like, talk about it. I, 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 don't, I don't know what's, what's the goal here that um, it's continuously brought up and uh, these incidents that, in my opinion, have nothing to do with players, but somehow you keep dragging players into it. So what's the goal here? I think you should ask yourself that question, not me clarify on that though does it frustrate you that you know particularly last night for example there was a clear sort of pro-russian demonstration happening within the grounds of the tournament that these people are coming and using the australian open as a platform for this these kind of demonstrations does that frustrate you the whatever the answer i'm going to give it to you right now it's going to be turned whichever way you want to turn it to does it bother me? What bothers me is there's real things that's going on in the world. And I don't know, are you a politician? Are you? Are you covering politics? No, I'm a sports journalist. Yes, and I'm a sports, and I'm an athlete. And you're asking me about things that maybe somebody says are in my control, but I don't believe that. So I don't know what you want me to answer. And if it's a provocative question, yeah. then... You know, you can, you can spin the story however you want. More summer breakfast coming up after this. Yeah, it's a very good morning to you. If you're just tuning in just before 7 o'clock in Melbourne, if you're with us on 1629 SENSA in Adelaide, it is just a touch before 6.30. We've got a big McCafe menu coming, so stick around. Steve Monaghetti, Jack Robinson, Australia's highest-ranked pro surfer. Scoob, can you surf? Um, mate, I struggle to ride a bike. That's how good my balance is, Kane. Yeah, I've never been able to play golf or surf, but uh, looking forward to speaking to Jack. He's a superstar. <laughs> Sam Harper from the Melbourne Renegades. Brett Phillips very, very shortly. Questions without notice. But on the other side of the 7 o'clock news update, I want to talk some footy and the hottest out-of-contract player in the AFL, what he's worth and which club should have the open checkbook for him. That coming up next. If you want to get involved, you can do so. one 736 736 Good morning to you if you're just tuning in to us on this Friday, the 27th day of January. Hasn't January just gone, flown by? Simon O'Donnell turned 60 yesterday. 
Happy birthday to you, mate. You're feeling fresh and you're sharp as always this morning. No, I'm not as fresh as I should be, and I'm not. A, I've never been sharp, but I'll battle on and I'll enjoy now having a six in front of it, not in front of my age, not a five. I like five. Don't know yeah. how I'm going to handle six. I think you'll be fine. 60 is the new 40. Steve Monaghetti, Jack Robinson, Sam Harper, Brett Phillips, your calls, questions without notice, all coming up in the next couple of hours. We're doing it all for the Kogan Money credit card pack full of value. Um, it's a time of year where there's a lot of, um, well, there's not much happening in the AFL world, but there's a bit of news filtering through. And the keen uh, track watchers, Scoob, they're, they're around the place and you have to be quite dedicated to be a track watcher. David King's been doing some heavy lifting. He'll be back on SEN next Friday with myself for Fireball Friday. Uh, Josh Gabalich has been doing a bit from the AFL.com.au and I've appreciated his work. But the diehard fans are out there. And what I have noticed is a few nervous Carlton fans. Just just Why? on social media. Why are they, Why are they of, nervous? A couple of diehard fans um, starting to tweet about their team's prospects and I think they're very good, Carlton. They've you know, I've got a very good list, but there's one very exciting player who hasn't put pen to paper yet. And when you have a player of the talent of Tom DeConing out of contract and he has the ability that he's got, clubs come hard for him. So I reckon he'd be, I don't know, I reckon he'd be just on the average wage. So the average AFL player wage is about 370000 mm-hmm. This time, well, last year I said, his next contract could be worth a million. And I don't reckon I'm going to be far off. He's 23 years of age. He's 203 centimetres. And the thing about him is that he can be a key forward, but he can also ruck. Now, my message this morning, and I don't want to affront the Carlton fans, is to Essendon. If you are Essendon, you almost write the, you know, just hand over a blank check and say, Mm. What do you want, son? Because they are desperate for a key forward. I think he's absolutely perfect for the Bombers. And the longer he remains unsigned, the more nervous Carlton fans will become because the club has already said, look, our salary cap, it's bulging. We've got Cripps, we've got Walsh, we've got Kerno, we've got Mackay, um, and, and both of those last two have just signed big long-term deals. We've got Reutering, we paid a stack for Williams, we paid a stack for Saad, we paid a stack for Chera. So there's only so much that goes around. So if De Koning is chasing money, um, then he's going to get a lot of it. And I think he's going to go from the average wage to about a million bucks next year. So my message is to Essendon, and I want to ask the Essendon fans, does he solve some problems for you? As a key forward, Harry Jones and De Koning, two young key forwards would be terrific, but also as a backup Ruckman um, with Draper, who's, who's really impressive. So that's the number one club that should offer him some cash. Then I go to St. Kilda. I think, oh, how good would he be at St. Kilda? And they're so reliant on Max King. He'd be perfect. You know, what a team for the next couple of years if he weren't there. So that's the second team. Then there's Hawthorne, who just need anyone, um, any amount of talent that they could get under the age of 25. He'd be great there. And then I look at Sydney. They're going to lose Franklin. Mm-hmm. They're going to lose Reed. Hickey's a B grade Ruckman with all due respect and Sydney we know go hard for key forwards and got a a record of doing that so there's number four and then to make Carlton fans even more nervous his premiership brother plays at Geelong down the highway now I wouldn't think Geelong could afford to get him with the players that they've got but Tom Hawkins is 35 he's going to retire at some point 
and Jeremy Cameron's 30. So I reckon Geelong would love to team him up with his brother. There's five clubs that should chase the most exciting out-of-contract player um, this year. And well, the most exciting, excited person out of all that's his manager. Exactly. He's going to get a slice. He's getting a slice of three seventy at the minute. He's about to get a slice if you're right of a million. So he's he's gone down to the European car yard and he's getting a a new Beamer this morning. That's what yeah. he's doing. Well, it sounds crazy, like because he's he hasn't done much, right? With with all due respect, I mean these these uh, tall players, key position players, ruckmen take a long time to develop. But forty one games, twelve goals in four years. But I look at Luke Jackson. He's a better he's a better prospect than Luke Jackson, who went from Melbourne to Fremantle at the end of last year for a huge amount of money. Went home, of course, to Perth, and I, I think he's the equal, if not better, prospect as as Luke Jackson. So, Blues fans, are you confident? Are you nervous? As I've seen a few rumblings on social media, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. The other thing I wanted to touch on as well is, I mean, the Herald Sun has been all over this um, umpiring Brownlow. Yep. situation and they have speculated without any real evidence it's more a more a hunch that um the umpires have been checking the stats on the afl app on their phones after the match which is not usually the done thing so the umpires come in after the game don't have any access to stats they put in their brownlow medal votes and then they're given their phones back after them being locked up for the game the question i've got though is if norm smith medal voters and i've I've voted on the showdown medal here, Scoob, in, mm-hmm. in South Australia, which is a which is a nice award to win. We've all got access to the stats. Should umpires have access to the stats before they put in their Brownlow medal votes? I, I, I don't see a problem with it. No. I don't see a problem with it. If we've come off from umpiring, it's been a you know, big game between you know, Port Adelaide and Melbourne, and we're looking whether whether you know it was um, wines you know got x x amount of clearances out of the middle and and uh, Max Gorn got x amount of taps and you just want to clarify that before you go your three two I I just don't see any any issue with it I, mm. I see zero issue I think it can only enhance yeah I wonder like there's two schools of thought because every other award you've got access to the the stats I mean even the coaches award. Um, they have an extra 24 hours and they have access to the footage mm. before they cast their votes on a Monday. So they've actually watched the game live. They then, you know, re-evaluated it on their computers before they put their five, four, three, two, ones in. Um, each coach does that. And that's a significant award to win. The All-Australian selectors, and we have access to every sort of stat you can possibly imagine. But is it unique that the Brownlow medal doesn't have stats my view would be we've just made it impossible for the umpires. I mean, the rules change all the time. It's a really tough game to adjudicate. And then after that, you're required to put your 3-2-1 in without any stats on what is the most prestigious ward to win in the game. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. There's a couple of topics there you can chew over. Will Tom DeConing turn his back on what I think will be a million dollars from clubs like Essendon, St Kilda, Hawthorne, Sydney or Geelong? And will he stay loyal to the Blues for perhaps $400,000 less? 043 Great prizes to give away as well for the callers of the morning if you want to get involved and win yourself a prize. And should the umpires be allowed to check the stats before handing in their Brownlow medal votes? We're going to talk some tennis with a man who's just done a power of work. Don't know where he gets the energy from. His name is Brett Phillips. We have the 
uh, finalists for the Australian Open on the women's side, and there's a couple of big semifinals on today. $100 tennis voucher up for grabs. Uh, tennis only. Shop online at Australia's number one tennis retailer, tennis.com.au. Your calls and Brett Phillips on the other side of this. The Kogan Money Credit Card. A great value card with rewards and no annual fee. Summer Breakfast. Text coming through on the back of the umps and looking at stats. People pointing out the stats are on the scoreboard anyway. Uh, stats don't always tell the truth. Peter is correct on that. Um, and Kane, you're 100% correct. Essendon have $2 million free in the salary cap. He is exactly what we need a key forward and a great backup for Draper. Before we get to Brett Phillips on all things tennis, because it's hotting up at the Australian Open, Billy's got a quick thought on the umps and the Brownlow. What's your thoughts, Bill? Yeah, morning, Kane. Yeah, just quickly, with all these rule changes suddenly in the last few years, has the umpiring um, position got really difficult and they're really entrenched of not making mistakes and not really seeing who's playing well and who's getting all the possessions, and that's why they're going to the stats now? That would be my belief. I think we've just made it so hard. Stupid rules like the stand rule. You've got to watch the player with the ball, the man on the mark, the 10-metre protected zone. Is he 8 metres inside the protected zone? Is he 10? Or is he just trying to get out with his opponent? It's impossible. And then to ask them to vote on the game's most prestigious award, I think it's a really difficult position we have put them in. Thanks for your thoughts, Bill. Uh, let's get to Brett Phillips because he's done a pair of work. Don't want to hold him up any longer. Uh, BP, we've got a couple of finalists on the women's side. Good morning to you. Yeah, good morning, Kane. Uh, Simon, we have. Uh, I've been pretty bullish about Arena Sevalinka uh, throughout mm. the tournament. So, yeah, confirmed her spot and you know, great progression for her. Having made three previous Grand Slam semifinals, she's been red hot uh, the month of January. Uh, starting in your neck of the woods, Kane, in Adelaide, uh, through to Melbourne, she's been undefeated. And uh, <laughs> you know, she's just a, just a tidal wave coming at you uh, off the ground. Uh, quite phenomenal. Uh, the power that she possesses and, you know, her mental state is good. Uh, the serving has sort of been rectified all those double faults and uh, it sets up for a great final, to be honest, because uh, Elena Rybuck, you know, last night, uh, her timing of the ball, I, mean, I think she's going to be a real genuine future star of the game. She's you know, got a lot of presence on court. She's sort of, you know, she's quietly spoken. She'll come out of her shell a little bit more. She's a product of, you know, defecting from Russia to Kazakhstan a billionaire over there who's pumped a lot of money into the federation to draw players uh, across, and now they're actually not needing to go out and buy players so much. Uh, they, they've got the money of setting up all these tennis centres and tennis development, but she's become sort of the pin-up, if you like, uh, of someone to emulate for the young kids, and she's just a beautiful ball striker. I mean, she came into that match against Azarenka last night with the most aces of the tournament, the equal fastest uh, serve, and, yeah, it sets it up for a, a great battle between two powerful hitters come Saturday night. Where's the edge come from, BP? Just watching both girls progress through the, the rounds and into the quarters and into the semis, they've just really handled the pressure. Any time they've been challenged, they've been able to, able to lift. So, you know, how do you see it now in a, in a final? Where's the edge come from from either of these two? Yeah, I think composure was the word, you know, Robbie and I used in the call uh, last night. You know, certainly watching uh, Robakina, who is obviously less experienced, uh, hasn't been on as many bigger stages as Sabalenka, but you win Wimbledon, 
um, on the most you know, famous court in tennis, you've got to have um, a lot of composure about you to handle those pressure moments. So I think she's equipped for it. Yeah, there were just times, a little bit last night, where she went a little big and wild. That's how she plays. Now, whether... You know, and look, you know, Sebalinka in the past has... Uh, you know, her game's gone pear-shaped at crucial times. So when you've got two powerful hitters... You know, obviously, you don't want to overplay at times. That, that decision making in the cut and thrust of a rally, where you've maybe just got to just got to back off the pace a little bit and, and just keep uh, plenty of balls in play. But look, both play very close to the lines. Uh, you know, maybe Sabalenka, just having you know been to a few more big occasions, might just have the edge. But Rebecca, he's not that much younger than her, and you know, I think it's just going to come down to, to little moments. Who handles the pressure better? You know, I mean, they can both throw in sort of double faults, but, you know, Rabakina can uh, certainly get more free points, but not much. I think it's, you know, it's got three sets written all over it, and it's just going to come down to maybe one or, one or two missed forehands or backhands that, you know, might split the two tomorrow. You would have noticed it in, in your call and, and the stats, but certainly the Channel 9 commentary last night were highlighting the pace of the serve, and, and Rabakina, you've, you've mentioned... How much faster she's serving than even Serena Williams? Now, I didn't think we'd ever see a, a as powerful a player as Serena, but she's serving 10 kilometres faster on average. Like, And this is only 10 years on, BP. Yeah. It's been one of the great advancements in the game, hasn't it? Yeah, no doubt. So the racket technology, the strings, uh, you know, she came in, as I said, I think 194 was her yeah, fastest serve during the tournament. Uh, well, Coco Goff actually got up to uh, that uh, that mark as well. Uh, she didn't quite get to that level last night, but I mean, she uh, you know the amount of unreturnable uh, serves is is a key stat in the game where you have just no chance at all of being a racket uh, where you're placing the ball, whether you're going tee or wide, and yeah, that sort of has set her apart uh, during this tournament. In saying that, though, I mean, Samalink has got the capacity to serve at. Uh, and full throttle as well. So, you know, it's just, it's, it's going to be a great contest. I think we've probably got the best matchup, to be totally yeah. honest. Yeah. On the men's side of it, the, the semis coming up today. We feel there's a sense of inevitability here that we're going to see Djokovic play sits passes. Do you think that's the case? It looks to be the way. I mean, he's got a 5 and 0 head to head since he passed on Hutchinov, and I think he probably just brings. You know, more assets to the tennis court, a bit more dynamic. He's going to cover a lot of the ground and, you know, I think make uh, life really difficult for, for Hutchinov by, by getting into the net a lot more and, and, you know, just being able to cut off those angles. You know, Hutchinov's going to serve big. He's going to be, you know, probably tough to break on serve. So I think we're going to have probably have some deep sets. Uh, but I think, you know, just the variety and the Cincy Pass game will allow him to get through. And, yeah, there's a sense of inevitability tonight, no doubt. I mean, Tommy Paul can throw everything but the kitchen sink at Novak Djokovic. I've been listening to your discussion the last hour and he just does everything so much better than everyone else, Uh, whether it's, you know, serve, uh, point construction technique, the shape he puts on his forehand. I mean, his backhand is world-class, but, you know, the forehand is really, really destructive how he gets it uh, deep into the corners. Um, He anticipates so well. He's always a step ahead in reading the direction of the ball. And that's why he gets to so many balls, either to defend or attack. And I can't see Tommy Paul, um, you know, taking a set off Novak tonight. Yeah, we've been discussing this and, and Jared Healy had some strong thoughts last night about how to honour his legacy at the Australian Open. If, if it is 10 
should there be a statue or something of him, BP? Yeah, I'm not a, not against the idea. As a, you know, I sent that text in earlier. You know, Nadal, uh, there's a statue of him at Roland Garros. That, that is just a phenomenal record that will never be surpassed. And you know, if Novak, I mean, continues to play at a high level for the next three to four years, which there's every indication that he certainly could, then he might get up to you know potentially 12, 13 Australian Open. So. Yeah, not the worst idea, and I, I agree. I mean, we've been blessed with three out-and-out absolute superstars in tennis, and how they'll be honoured long-term. I mean, that's one for the uh, all the bodies to come together, the, the seven bodies in tennis to collaborate and try and work on um, that concept, but I, I'm, I'm sure they'll be uh, honoured in some way, maybe at all the slams, uh, where uh, they've had great success. But yeah, not, 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 not an idea that I would uh, certainly quash at all. He's been, mm. been outstanding on this court. BP, what's what what's the depth of men's tennis look like without those three? Oh, I think it's really, really healthy, uh, Simon. I think the next you know ten to fifteen years is going to be great. We've already seen Elkaraz, Runa, Sina, uh, young Ben Shelton, the American during this tournament, Sebi Corda. Uh, the Americans are batting deep. There's more and more uh, coming through. Let me tell you, in the junior ranks. Uh, look, I, I, you know, as, as we've seen in tennis, eras replace eras, and we we, have, we are just blessed with um, you know great storylines. I, I don't think this next generation is going to achieve uh, the slam records of these three. Uh, they'll share them probably a lot more. Uh, maybe Alcaraz can get right up there. He's going to be a star, uh, but it's healthy. Simon, we've already seen the young generation emerge, and they're playing uh, you know, brilliant tennis that is going to be uh, pretty breathtaking for a long time. Uh, Alex Demonora has, has gone to Twitter, BP, and said back to work for him. Um, I'm wondering where his ceiling is. Is it that fourth round potentially quarterfinals? And what does he have to do as, a, as Australia's? Well, he's not our most talented, Nick Kyrgios is, but he's our most dedicated. What, what's the next evolution for Alex? Because he's still pretty young. He is. And, you know, that's, that's the part I love about him, Kat. I love the attitude. He, he's not satisfied. And a lot of players can get comfortable getting up to his ranking and think, well, OK, well, I can carve out a pretty good career. But he de- desperately wants to achieve the biggest results in the sport. So, you know, the whole in setting up his year is the scheduling around certainly the slams and the Masters 1000 events and making sure that he's in peak physical shape uh, for those. You know, he's got to keep getting a bit bigger and a bit stronger. Um, you know, but maybe maybe his body <laughs> is what it is, and mm. and the ceiling has been achieved. I don't know. I mean, the next aim has to be to be a consistent, you know, ten to twenty ranked player. That's got to be the aim. Easier said than done. Uh, but his attitude is absolutely first class. He, he wants to be a professional, grinding away on the tour. He lives and breathes it. Uh, we hope that he can take the next step. But you know, it looks. You know, we're hand on heart. You know, with what is around him, it's going to be really tough for him to to win a major if that's if that's how we if that's how we're going to judge him. I'm going to take yeah. over his coaching, BP, um, mate. What he needs is a better butcher that feeds him more meat, so he needs more iron. And then I'm getting him onto the protein shakes, and we'll whack a bit of chocolate flavouring in those, and bang, we got a new player in 12 months. He's got a bit of yeah. bit of oomph in him. He might be unrecognisable, uh, the demon. Uh, but maybe that might take away the speed, Simon, which is his greatest asset if he uh, gets those... Uh, <laughs> don't talk logically to me, BP. Please, don't talk logically <laughs> to me. 
Hey, mate, you'll be at the forefront, courtside of, of the semi-final action today, hatching off against Sitsipas. That's from about 2 p.m. Melbourne time. And then the big one, Djokovic taking on the American Tommy Paul from 7 o'clock tonight. Who's going to be alongside of you? Uh, good question. <laughs> I haven't actually seen the rod. Someone, someone good. <laughs> no, Mark Woodford. Mark Woodford there will be go. with me for Djokovic and Tommy Paul uh, tonight. So, yeah, looking forward to a big day, Kane, and uh, a couple of, uh, hopefully a couple of cracking semi-finals. Beautiful, mate. Let, uh, let's hope. Thanks for your coverage throughout the last couple of weeks and also joining us this morning. We appreciate it. No, pleasure, guys. Anytime. SEN's coverage of the Australian Open is all thanks to the all-electric Kia EV6 GT supercar. It's a pinnacle of engineering. The Kia EV6 GT is the most powerful Kia ever crafted. Um, and we'd love for you to get involved. As a lot of people have done on the 40 Winks temper text line this morning. You know the number, 0433981116. Kane, uh, you might be right on the Hawks, uh, but I think they have been bold and clearly are backing the youngsters to come on over the next few years. Not much point in aspiring to be just competitive. I half agree with you, Bill, uh, as long as it's not at the expense of damaging these younger players um, at the hands of just significant beltings and beatings and been a part of programs that go really young, um, teams that have sort of won three games for the year, and it does do a little bit of damage to these young players if you're getting smashed every week and you've got to rock up at training on Monday on the back of another belting. Uh, Dean says, I think uh, you, Kane, and Simon should go on SAS Australia. I reckon you'd do well, maybe even win it. What am I going on as a cameraman? Well, well I've... <laughs> I've been advocating to go on SAS for a long time. I'm very, very keen. But the offers, well, it's a little bit like you going to India. The offers just haven't come. They haven't come my way. Yeah, I, I, I'm actually not going to move out of the studio because Hutchie just walked in before and sort of came in and said a few things to Brooksy. I didn't I, I didn't look you. complimentary. Well, he ignored me, but was side looking at me as yeah. he was talking to Brooksy. So, mate, if I'm still here after the news, look, I look forward to chatting to you. If I'm not, it's been fun. All right, and you can have your say on the umpires and the Brownlow voting. Perhaps the umpires are just smarter than you, Kane, and can handle the job effectively, says Jeff. And Geelong will go hard for Deconing, will take less to play with his brother. Wouldn't that cause uh, a Ooh. bit of a stir if Geelong um, were able to secure the signature there? Uh, it is time for the 7.30 news headlines. Plenty more coming up after that. Thanks for your company this morning. Summer breakfast, Kane Corns and Simon O'Donnell with you. Still to come on the McCafe menu, our official coffee partner, Steve Monaghetti, Jack Robinson, Australia's highest-ranked pro surfer, Sam Harper of the Melbourne Renegades, questions without notice, and your calls. And if you want to call, the caller of the year is back on Monday the 30th of January. you just got to give us a buzz on SEN Breakfast for your chance to win a brand-new Toyota, if you don't mind. Uh, Johnny's on the line. He's he's a good friend of the show from Port Augusta. You want to speak about Dusty this morning, Johnny? Where should he play this year? Good morning to you. Morning, Kane, Simon. Uh, fellas, uh, now, Simon, you would have seen a bit of Lee Matthews towards his career. I saw him when he'd gone to the fourth pocket. But I'll be honest, I had no idea I was watching a player that's when it's entry. Is it sacrilegious to compare him to um, Lethal Lee Matthews? I Austin, mean, the player that's went in the Is it sacrilegious or is it pretty comparable? Well, I think Lee, even himself, said that Dusty is the only player that he would compare to himself. He did too. A couple, of, did. a couple of years ago. So, I mean, it's probably not sacrilegious. Johnny, if, if Lee himself is saying that that's okay, then 
that's probably okay. It's phenomenal, the record. Um, oh, it's, it's an obvious thing to say, but the thing that strikes me with Lee Matthews, 915 goals. Mm. That, that's the thing that's just like, this is unbelievable. Yeah. He kicked 70-plus goals in three straight seasons from 82 to 84, 74, 79, 77. Um and played a lot of midfield time, of course. But um, look, I don't think Dusty will reach the heights of Lee Matthews, but he's in the conversation, I reckon, Johnny. Yeah, I mean, um, I've seen that. 332 games to 915 goals. It's nearly three goals a game. You know, mm. A bloke who play, played, a fair, as you said, a fair bit of midfield, certainly first part of his career. I remember watching, I, I saw the day he sat in the point post, and I saw that they knocked out Neville Bruns. But I had no idea I was watching until Mike Keane came along and said that, you know, you, you used to watch the BFL then. And, you, and you know, it was like Keane, you'd watch the old ex-NFL. Mm. And, um, and um, I had no idea I was watching the players of the 20th century, but the record's absolute. Eight best of Paris at a champion side of the 70s and the 80s. Yep. I love your lens of history, Johnny. You're you're strong with your former cricket players and you've got a good lens on that and it's good to talk some some old school footy as well. But yeah, I I read that, I mean, Taranto and Hopper come in for Richmond. So it it is a luxury to be able to say, well, okay. He's centre forward anyway, Dustin Martin. He he does attend a lot of centre bounces, but he does his work in the forward half. But perhaps a more permanent role don't know the impact that Revolt will have at his age. Uh, Lynch gets injured a lot and he's coming back from an injury currently. So they, they may be needing him to kick 50-plus goals this year. And if he's fit, if he's motivated, which he looks like he is, then he's absolutely capable of doing that. Tigers fans, you can jump on the Temper Text 40 Winks text line 0433981116 and have you say on that. He was the smallest big man I've ever seen play footy. <laughs> This is lethal. Because he could play six foot six or he could play five foot eight, you know. And we we talk about him so often. It it was um, towards the end of my footy days. um, My first AFL game or VFL game came was against Hawthorne at Moorabbin. And Mm. Lee Matthews was in the forward pocket. Right. And I'll never forget standing next to him thinking, what am I doing here? I shouldn't be here. And there was these. I've had a couple of those moments. <laughs> there was these chunks next to me, you know, fifteen meters away. That he's like they were just chunks. But what I I've never forgotten to this day was his speed over the first ten meters was quite extraordinary. Mm. When he led, he he it was just mm. like a bullet coming out of a gun. Gone. And and he just disappeared. Yeah. You thought, wow. Now, thank God I wasn't playing him. Jeff Dunn was playing him, who was a really good footballer, played um, football for Victoria, Jeff Dunn. But he, he, you know, he was just off. And it, so mm. if he had any space in front of him, you were you were cooked, absolutely cooked. He, he was brilliant to watch, brilliant that to watch. That real low centre of gravity, like yeah. just never fall over. But, uh, yeah, only 178 centimetres. So today he would be you know one of the shortest players in the competition, Dustin Martin, nearly 10 centimetres. Uh, taller than him. I probably uh, should apologise to all club members for that day. What happened? Well, one of their players, you know, runs out there and is just completely and utterly intimidated. <laughs> well, you wouldn't be the only one. He's looking yeah, at Lee Matthews thinking, I've got no hope here. I'm absolutely zero. I think we've all had those moments, though. Like, you're looking, I don't I don't belong out here next to this bloke. Um, can we get to Lou uh, on, the, on the phone line? Lou, we got you there. Good morning. Um, Kane, I've been waiting for for this day all preseason. 
I want your opinion on where Collingwood's at this year. We've recruited mm. pretty well. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> look. It's a very, it's a very important uh, opinion you have. I, I take it, I take it very seriously. So, <laughs> Tom Mitchell coming in. Yes. Um, uh, the young bloke from GWS. Got his yeah, name. Bobby, Bobby Hill. Mixed Bobby day. Hill. Uh, Billy Frampton from from down your way. Yeah, not sure he's going to help. I'm not sure Billy's going to help. My my theory is if you've been on an AFL list for six, seven years and you haven't made an impact, you've been to two clubs, you're going to go to another one. I I hear that Billy Frampton is going to be the difference. I I think he's a depth player if he plays five to six games and that's a good result. But the others, yep, they'll they'll have an impact. Lou, can I I answer your question? I'm not ready. I'm not ready to give my preseason predictions yet. And I will tell you that Collingwood are causing me a lot of... um, Heartache over where, not heartache, that's the wrong word, but I'm just confused about where they sit in amongst the race for the premiership. So, Lou, I will at one point get to the predictions in February, but I'm just not ready to have a strong opinion on Collingwood yet. But uh, you'll be the first to know, my friend. 043-98-1116 if you want to have your say. Where will the pies finish in 2023? Good on you, mate. Thanks for your thoughts. I'll put you back to Brooksy because I couldn't give you an answer. He will give you a prize. It's 20 minutes to 8 o'clock. If you're with us on SENSA in Adelaide, it's 10 minutes after 10. Sammy Harper's coming up next. been a terrific season of the BBL as we have discussed at length throughout the summer and also this morning and a a solid season from the Melbourne Renegades who finished third. They play the winner of tonight's match, the Sydney Thunder and the Brisbane Heat. And one of their stars of BBL 12 joins us. Sam Harper is his name. Sammy, thanks for your time. Morning, Kane. How you going? Be pretty happy with the season to date um, from your boys. Pretty consistent and uh, pretty nice to finish up the top of the table and await your opponent. Yeah, that's right. No, it's certainly nice to be in the finals. I don't know if, yeah, it's been consistent in patches and a little bit inconsistent in patches, but, um, yeah, we've got the result we're after and looking forward to Sunday. Mate, I liked it the other week. I didn't realise that little nasty edge of yours, Sam, when the when the uh, stars were starting to, you know, fade, not chasing many, and you and Finchie, you were giving the batters. Hell, I loved it. <laughs> Thanks, mate. That's my, if I can't do, I can't do much with my little buzz, Behind the wicket, so I might as well do something um, verbally if I try and get in the game somehow. <laughs> oh, it was, it was good verbal too. It was sort of you know, oh dear me, if you don't need a six off, you know, dressed right, got right in the head of the batters and um, put then put them away in the end. That must have been a very satisfying win. I suppose holds you in good stead for from a team point of view that you know you can win from anywhere. Yeah, no, it's brilliant. I think. You know what it's like more than anyone. Tony, you can say those cliches before a game that we can win from anywhere, but until a group actually does it um, together, <laughs> then it is just words. So, yeah, certainly everyone took a lot of a lot of belief from that night when they needed 20 off 24. Um, yeah, with six or seven wickets in hand. And I think, yeah, having Finch's experience there um, and listening back to him on the mark was pretty funny, actually. And just, yeah, seeing how he guided through the bowls with Kane Richardson and stuff like that was, um, yeah, it was, it was cool to see and awesome for our bowling group to have access to that. And yourself, I mean, I'm not sure it's a breakout season because BBL 09 was pretty strong for you, but strike rate of 145, you've gone big, 14 sixes for the tournament, which is the most you ever, you've ever achieved. I'm a little bit lean in your last three innings, but yourself personally, it's been a really solid season from you. Yes, yeah, again, it looked like our team came. It's been 
um, consistent patches, a little bit inconsistent in patches, which I think sometimes you do have to expect um, in T20. But, yeah, I've just been chatting with Hodgie and our coaches about trying to find a blueprint that can make uh, what can be quite a erratic game as consistent as possible. So, yeah, hopefully with a few missouts and runs around the corner um, as we come into the finals. And I think uh, one thing now getting Sean Marsh back in our batting group and Marty Guptill and Finchie batting how he's at the moment, um, yeah, hopefully there should be a, some exciting stuff with our batting group to come. Take us out in the middle of the other night against the strikers. There was there was carnage with the no ball. Was it a no ball? Six on the leg side. You were dismissed. You reviewed it. It wasn't out. Now, how did you realise and when did you realise and who told you that um, there was an illegal fielding setup that the strikers had employed? Yeah, I didn't even realise it was a no ball. There was when Shorty, who I've faced a billion times at Victoria, who's never spun one in his life, is spinning a meter. Um, <laughs> There was enough going through my head that just amazed that he'd actually spun a cricket ball. <laughs> um, so I was trying to work out my plan and then, yeah, didn't even notice that um, the good old white ball rule was about to throw on the offside. So I was just trying to work out how I was going to get a run, let alone. Uh, then all of a sudden, yeah, there was a free hit and it turns out the first two balls were no balls. Then I was out, not out. And then, yeah, Sid's just nipped one back straight into my pad, which was probably plumb and reviewed it. So <laughs> there was a lot going on those first few overs. <laughs> Sam, you mentioned just how hectic it is and, and talking to, to Brad Hodge and the, the coaching staff at, at the Renegades, you know, and, you know, working through tactics in a game. How different is a is a team meeting for a 2020 match versus a, a, a Shield match? Can you give us a sort of enlightenness on on that, what, how, how different it is, those two approaches to different forms of the game of cricket? Yeah, no, it's very different. So, I mean, Shield cricket, you've basically got 96 overs of the bowling team trying to bowl 90 overs at the top of off um, with maybe a little bit of variation if the ball reverses or if it if it spins. But you can basically plan pretty consistently knowing the venue you're playing at. Um, yeah, whereas T20, you can sort of do all the planning you want in the world, but reality is there's no guarantee you're actually going to come up against that matchup that night Um as we know, sometimes you're out there for five, six balls. Sometimes you're out there for 30 or 40, and that can have a really big impact. Um, and, yeah, even the other night, we've, we've been really lucky at Marvel this year to have a really good wicket. And then, unfortunately, yeah, something happened the other night to make that wicket a little bit damp. So, um, yeah, you're faced with conditions 45 minutes before the toss that you probably haven't seen or not, not sure what to expect. Um, so, yeah, you've, I think just in T20, the messaging we're getting from the coach is just, um, yeah, just to be as adaptable as possible and that the game change, game plan does need to change um, quite quickly sometimes. So you build up to, you know, uh, the finals this year. Is there any change in in what or how you go about preparing for a final outside of you know, home and away matches? No, not really. It's, I think the the thing that worked in our favour was, uh, yeah, the heat not chasing down those runs the other day. Just gave us a little bit of an extended break. Um, we had a busy five or six days on the road there. So, um, yeah, a couple of days off and then we'll have some good training sessions the next few days. And, yeah, on Sunday, I think, because we've played 14 games, which I think everyone knows or should know after 14 games how they want to go about it. And then it's just about trying to go out and execute. Well, Sammy, good luck, mate. Uh, Renegades back to the finals for the first time in three years. Uh, you await the winner of tonight's Sydney Thunder and Brisbane Heat game. Uh, you'll be a, a key player, as always. Appreciate you joining us this morning, and good luck. Thanks, Shane. Thanks, Simon. Got a double pass to give away for the Rene- Renegades final today, so we'll do that. In fact, we might do that now. First caller through, one three hundred.
736 736 double pass the renegades versus either the sydney thunder or the brisbane heat so pick up the phone give us a call sorry to willem and the crew back in the studio that have to answer those phones but first call through we'll win those tickets and we'll be back with more summer breakfast after this Uh, just before 8 o'clock, still got a big McCafe menu coming your way. We're going to talk some surfing with Australian pro surfer Jack Robinson um, and surfing at the Olympics now. So that adds another element to the scheduling of the tour this year and uh, some new initiatives. So looking forward to chatting to him. Tell us about more that. about your surfing prowess. Uh, well, I've never been more out of my depth in the ocean on a surfboard. You know, when you like you stand on the beach. And it just looks, oh, that's, that looks, that'd make it look so easy. Mm. That doesn't look that big. And then you head out there. And one thing I've never been able to do is duck dive. So if you can't duck dive, you're in all, you're in all sorts of trouble. You just get stuck in the chop. And all of a sudden, one crashes on your head. You've got to go get your board. It's, you know, it's 10 meters away, attached to your leg. Then all of a sudden, the next wave comes. And, you, and then you can't, and then it's actually quite frightening. But good friend of mine, Angus Monfries, took me to, to Urban Surf, which is the, mm-hmm. well, it's the man-made artificial yeah, wave. Yeah. And that is terrific. But I just had a, I just had a boogie board on that occasion. That's a lot of fun, but that's scary as well. So that's about as far as my um, surfing goes, other than to feel so out of my depth, it is not funny. I've tried it once. Um, <laughs> couldn't get up. How'd you get? Uh, yeah, just gave up. And I had one of the Long boards, I think they call them Malibus. Yeah, they call them. Yeah, that's it. You know, yeah, the long one that you know they Hard to they reckon a you know like an elephant could stand on it. Mm. Um, I couldn't, couldn't, couldn't get up. I uh, got to my knees once and toppled over. So that, that'll do. Um, thank you. Been wonderful trying to learn, but I, I must admit the balance and some of the things people do on a surf, you, th- you you feel like it's like connected to them. Mm. You think, oh mm. no, hang on, mm. they they got their feet in slots here. That's right. Yeah, you know, that's right. Extraordinary right. how they stay with the board. Jack Robinson is one of those. Now, you can see the first ever Australian Paddle Open at the Australian Open 2023. It's the newest racket sport with off-the-wall energy. Uh, And if you're keen on playing tennis after watching it, you can hire a tennis court at play.tennis.com.au. Tennis court hire, no membership, no worries. Uh, So Jack Robinson, as I said, Steve Monaghetti is going to join us. The next hour, we've got plenty of time to take your calls. Last fan standing, that's thanks to Maccas, with your opportunity to head to Delhi um, to watch the cricket, which is an unbelievable prize. We'll give that away before nine. Yeah, just after eight o'clock, if you're with us uh, on SEN in Melbourne or it's 26 minutes to eight, if you're with us on 1629 SEN SA in Adelaide, still plenty coming up on the McCafe menu, our official coffee partner, Steve Monaghetti, and we're a couple of minutes away from getting to Jack Robinson, Australia's highest-ranked pro surfer. Seven Aussies on tour, um, and there's... Uh, you got to survive the cut through the halfway point of the surfing season. So that will be intense and also spots for the Olympics up for grabs with that. Now an Olympic sport, plenty of texts coming through off the temper text. Morning, Kane and Simon. What about a group statue at Rod Laver Arena of Roger, Nadal and the Joker, says Peter in Coolum. Mm. Not a bad thought. No, no, very good thought. Really good thought. Uh, Interesting uh, where BP was saying... There's seven different organisations to make a contribution to running professional tennis. Makes it hard. Bit of a minefield. 
Nice, uh, nice trying uh, to get through that. Alex Demonor could learn a bit from Djokovic and Kyrgios rather than having cheap shots. Uh, he wouldn't be good enough to carry their bags. Dav was some rare criticism of Alex Demonor for the temper text. I think he's universally liked Alex Demonor and respected for how he goes about his things. Um, G'day, Kane and Scoob. Novak statue in Melbourne would be uh, not very popular. Um, I think that's the theme coming through. But does that make it right just because he's not a popular athlete? Does that mean he shouldn't be recognised for the extraordinary feats that he is achieving? And on some footy, funny, Kane, when I asked you about how you think Brisbane will go, you only used two words pretty well. And then when you got asked about Collingwood, you said an essay. So unfair. Well, it's just a bit early. It's just a bit, I th- well, I think on the surface of it, Brisbane are ready to go with the way that they've topped up in the trade period. A couple of youngsters coming through, Ashcroft and Fletcher, who I'm excited to watch. Uh, and then you know Dunkley and, and others. So I think they'll be pretty good. And Danny has got a question for us. G'day, guys. Can you ask Jack Robinson if he thinks the Olympic event being held in Tahiti at the world's heaviest wave could see extreme conditions and favour him? We'll ask him very, very shortly. In the surfing caper, when it's Mm. a heavy wave, I'm assuming that's a big wave, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. And not, not just big, not just like tall, thick and powerful. Right. And treacherous. Okay. Okay, so it, it, it so where where they do the the big wave stuff in Hawaii, you see them mm. get towed out by a um, jet ski, sea do jet ski. Yep. That's what do you, you just call that big surf? Do you? That's not a heavy wave, surf. Well, big wave surfing, but heavy as well. I think you could I think you could describe that in either either way. Um, and I mean, this stuff that we're talking about with Jack on the tour, you're not, you're not using jet skis. But now those jet skis, I spoke to Jared about this because he's such a passionate surfer and a good surfer. He knows a lot more about it than I do. But he just says the jet ski is, has given access to you know, places that you were never able to go before. And it's it's created you know some unbelievable waves that these guys can surf. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. if you want to get involved in that one. Um Olympic sports are always interesting. They chop and change, don't they? You, you mm. have no issues with... No, he's, he's ready. Let's go to him now because uh, he's a superstar. He's got over 300,000 followers on Instagram and he's Australia's highest-ranked surfer and he's preparing himself for the start of the season, which gets underway on the 29th of April. Jack Robinson is his name. Jack, thanks so much for your time. Of course. Thank you. Thanks for having me. How do surfers spend their off-season, their pre-season? I mean, what have you been up to, and do you feel prepared and ready to go? Uh, yeah, well, some of them relaxed in cruise, but I was uh, I was cruising for a while, and then I actually had to spend it in the hospital for a little while. I had a, had a surgery, so I'd just been recovering, and it was actually good to have a little time off for me, so that's been good. Tell us about that. What was, what was the issue? Oh, it was an appendix issue I had all year, so I finally removed it and um yeah just looking forward to to getting back healthy and um yeah just just taking care of that part so um yeah and and enjoying it just the time off we don't really get to have any time off for like eight or nine months a year because of so many events so yeah just enjoying it i enjoy life jack what's a fitness regime look like for a for a pro surfer i mean do do you you know go for runs and gymnasium or is it mainly based out on the water I I think it used to be 
a long time ago, maybe like 20 years ago, it was based in the water and then at the pub for a lot of people. <laughs> but I think now it's like everyone's training, everyone's a lot more um, into their fitness. And um, yeah, I think we have like, between a lot of us, is, we have like almost a trainer for every everything we do, like the fitness side, but then it's also like the mindset. It's just so many things. Like there's, um, yeah, you just, you take care of everything now, I feel like, with your body. It's like a professional Really professional now. <laughs> Seven Aussies on tour, I think, for the start of the 2023 season. Anyway, what's the camaraderie like and, and how's the talent levels with Australian surfing at the moment? I think the talent's rising a lot again. Um, yeah, there's there's definitely, like, everyone's really good. Um, so, yeah, I think I think it's good. There's, there's a good uh, amount of Australians on tour and I feel like, when when Mick, Joel, and um, Taj, and they had their whole crew, I feel like we're filling that gap now. So, yeah, it's, it's exciting. It's a little bit of a different sort of tweaks and changes ahead of the season. Part of it is exciting because um, qualification for Paris 2024 comes into effect. I mean, how passionate are you about representing your country at the Olympics? Yeah, it'd be super exciting. Um, yeah, definitely Always, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, especially it's, it's in Tahiti, it's at Chofu, so um, I spent a lot of time there, and uh, yeah, just just really looking forward to that. I, I'm sure uh, it's just going to be so exciting for surfing and um, just everyone in general to go and surf those waves and on that platform. Yeah, famous break, of course, and, and dangerous and heavy and all of that. We had a text come through, um, yeah. ask you the question whether that suits you, you and, and your style of surfing at that break. 100%, yeah, I, I grew up in waves like that, and um, yeah, it's just, you, you always learn to respect the wave because it's so heavy, but uh, yeah, it's almost like, you just love it too, it's so exciting, that's what, like a wave that of that consequence, it, it makes you, uh, like, produce so much adrenaline, and it's almost like, you just can't get enough of that feeling, I feel like, it, there's no other feeling like it. Like, do you get scared? For sure, I get scared. Everyone gets scared, but I think that's the part that makes you respect it too. Yeah. At what moment do you, I mean, it's probably all the time, is it? Is it before you paddle out? Is it just as you take off? Is is it when you're looking at the back yeah. and you see the wave coming or is it? Is it a lot of the time? I feel like those thoughts come into your head all the time. It's, um, yeah, even like probably a lot before the event. If it's a big swell coming, those thoughts will just be in your mind all the time. So, yeah, just got to breathe. I don't know, maybe everyone has a different way of going about it. But, um, yeah, when you're out there and actually amongst it in Mother Nature, I feel like hey, you can't hide from it. So you just got to got to face it, don't you? Um, mm. But, yeah, just, just try and respect the wave too. I feel like the... Uh, yeah, it's, it's quite a wild experience. There's nothing that can really explain it until you go and do it. Jack, you, you touched on it before um, that wave, certain waves suit you. Is that sort of across the board and, you know, from a pro surfing point of view? Some people are better at medium waves and bigger waves, you know, whereas you know, some cricketers are better against fast bowling than spin bowling. Same sort of thing in, in surfing? Uh, it's interesting, yeah, because... When you grow up, um, 
yeah, at a cert, like in, in certain ways, and they have more power. Say someone grows up in Hawaii, and I grew up in Western Australia where the waves are really heavy. Like, it just becomes, you know, your instinct on how, how you move, like, amongst the chaos. And I think when you grow up in places like that, it's, it just, it's second nature already in your body. Like, your body just, without even thinking, that's what, that's how you move amongst the waves and, and read the ocean. So, yeah, for sure, you end up working on more things down the track. Like, you have to get good at everything to be on tour. But, um, yeah, I think, like, the biggest thing for, for surfers, and I think, like, no one can really get past being scared, right, or get having fear. It's kind of the hard... Uh, the hard trait to like actually have that just to be able to be comfortable in a way. Jack Robinson yeah. is with us, Australia pro surfer. The tour gets underway in a couple of days. What about the tactics of it? Now, I believe the tactics have changed recently, like the sequence of who's allowed to take off and the order in which you're allowed to take off on the wave. I mean, when you say that everyone's mm. really good and not much separates these guys, I guess that's pretty important as well. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's- it's yeah, there's definitely a lot of techniques. There's, there's stuff that no one knows, but then there's uh, yeah, you just got to keep that for yourself, I guess, don't you? It's, uh, <laughs> Is it a strength of yours? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I study everybody. <laughs> <laughs> in what way? Like, tell me about like on on tape out in the water. I guess all the time, they're speaking to people yeah. and, and trying to work out their weaknesses. Yeah, even just when you just look them in the eye. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, no, it's funny. Um, yeah, you, you kind of you can feel people. I feel like, um, but yeah, it it also if the waves are heavy and it's it's gnarly. I mean, you're going to be focused on yourself and just trying to trying to be safe and uh, get the job done, aren't you? But yeah, definitely, definitely watch guys too. Huh? Mm. <laughs> Jack, we're in the middle of a grand slam here in in tennis in Melbourne, and uh, we have the the, the yep. majors in golf. What what are the big serving times? Yep. Is there a a, a number of surfing events that are the key events for the surfing calendar each year? Yes, we have, I'm pretty sure it's 10 events now, and then the final event is Lower Trestles where they have the final five. That You have to qualify for the final five, and then uh, the final five guys battle for the world title. So that's uh, it's like a, if I was to compare it in the easy way of explaining, it'd be like a playoff, like basketball. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, mate, uh, now that we know a lot more about it, look forward to watching you on tour. It's certainly an exciting one shaping up, of course, with with plenty of action. Good luck, and we thank you for joining us this morning. For sure. I look forward to it. Thank you. What what a character he is. Uh, Look forward to that. Pipeline at Hawaii is going to take place between Sunday the 29th and Friday the 10th of February. Um, And we are going to give... Well, we're going to play the last man standing on the other side of this. And I know you've been, this is your go. So you're going to run the whole show? Uh, well. I'm going to sit yeah, back. We're, we're going to collaborate. We'll, I still like your input. I don't like, you know, my co-host uh, giving hints or anything like that. So actually, come to think of it, just pipe down, okay? See, yeah, I already mm. stuffed it up. I already <laughs> stuffed the name up. It's last fan standing, well, thanks to Mackers. So, what, I guess you call now. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. if you want to play. Before that, though, we've got to get to an update from Sportsbet. Last fan standing, thanks to Mackers.
All right, last fan standing, B-Crown last fan standing, thanks to McDonald's. Now, the prize is extraordinary. Um, we'll get to that after we announce the winner, but you know it is significant. Scoob, this is your baby, so yes. I'm happy for you to take it away. No, we uh, have Martin joining us from Glebe. G'day, Martin. Yeah, g'day, Simon, ex-assumption boy. Oh, good uh, on you, Martin. That's uh, I'd like yeah. to hear that. We would have given Sacred Heart Kane's old mob. We gave them a hiding a few times. Uh, I oh, we did. I went over there one year, and uh, we had a great time. Beautifully done. We're, Beautifully done, Martin. We were given a tip by, uh, by a horse, Morris Lady, and it won. Oh, well, that'll do. Yeah. Good work. Uh, gamble responsibly, Martin. Absolutely. Martin, what is Steve Smith's highest score in Test cricket? Multiple choice. 199, 239 or 244? Oh, gee. Um, 234. No. It wasn't an option. Oh, oh. <laughs> Just thrown, thrown in a D there, Martin, but don't worry about it. Sorry we can't help you. Michael joins us from Essendon. G'day, Michael. Uh, 239. 239. Quite right. How many test centuries does Steve Smith have, Michael? 30, 31 or 34? Uh, 30. 30 he has. Michael, true or false? Steve Smith made a century during the first innings upon his return from the ban after Sandpaper Gate. True or false? Uh, true. Quite right. It's flying. How many test centuries, Michael, does David Warner have? 22, 24 or 25? 25. 25 is correct. He's good. What is David Warner's highest test score? Again, multiple choice, Michael. 224, 301 or 335? 335. 335, Michael. Good work. There's a bit of authority in that voice. Is your Isn't answer too. Confident. Okay. Question six. Who has hit more fours? Steve Smith or David Warner? That's uh, in David test Warner. cricket. David Warner. David Warner has 957. Steve Smith, 942. Question seven. Who has hit more sixes between the two? Smith and Warner in test cricket. Warner. Warner, 64. Smith, yep. 49. Not a trick question, that one. Mm. Wasn't a trick question. Michael, true or false? David Warner is the only player to represent Australia without playing a first-class match before his debut. True. true. Or false. True. It oh, is. This is, true. this is an extraordinary performance. It is a very good performance. Question nine. How many test wickets... Does David Warner have none, two, or four, Michael? And now you're making it harder. Uh, four. Four, he, ha he has. Four, he has, Michael. Two questions to go, Michael. How many test wickets does Steve Smith have? 12, 19, or 26? Four. Uh, I'll take a punt. 19. 19, you've got it. Good punt. Good punt. Okay, this is it. This is to give you a chance to get on the kite. Michael from Essendon, how many times has Steve Smith 
won the Allen Border Medal? Oh. Any multiple choice for that one? No, there's not. Uh, Need an answer. Uh, two. Oh, 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 that's cruel. It is cruel. That is. Oh, Michael, cruel. stay on the line. We've got to have uh, something for Michael. Uh, Ten I think questions. to go away with. Sebastian joins us from Taylor's Hill. G'day, Sebastian. G'day. How are you? Good. Oh. This is a parachute if I've ever seen one. Isn't it, Jeff? Steve Smith has won the Allen Border Medal how many times, Sebastian? What was the uh, multiple choices again? There isn't. No, one there isn't a question. multiple choice, Sebastian. Oh. No, 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 oh, no, that's no, right, no, 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 no. It's uh, two. No. Got it! That's the previous answer. Mm. Mitch. Oh, was it? Ah. <laughs> Sorry, Sebastian, you're out of here. That's a poor parachute opening from you. Mitch joins us from South Geelong. G'day, Mitch. G'day, how you going? Steve Smith has won the Allen Border Medal how many times, Mitch? Got Let's stay down in the coastal area and go to Rowan from Torquay. G'day, Rowan. Rowan, it's not one and it's not two. Uh, I'll go with three. <laughs> well done, Rowan. And he's done it. <laughs> well done. <laughs> we got there, Rowan. Yeah, beautifully played from you, and that's exactly why it's called Last Fan Standing. So Michael congratulations. Oh, you are no. the last fan standing. We'll know on Jan 30 whether you're the winner. Now, the prize, of course, flights for you and a mate to Delhi. Five nights, premium five-star accommodation. Attend a sports luncheon with SEN's magnificent commentary team. Corporate hospitality at the cricket. $1,000 spending money. Uh, and there'll be another chance to win across today, I think, with Dwayne's World. So stick mm-hmm. around for that. Um, and you will be, Rowan, uh, involved in your chance to win that. So uh, well done. And for Michael, what we have done is we found him a double pass to the Summer Festival at the Valley. That's the 10th of Feb. Um, he's also won a Signet Boost Power Bank. They're terrific. I'm vouch for that. Valued at 60 bucks. Going to keep everything powered 24-7 and 18 holes of golf for you and a mate. With a cart at Club Mandalay, you can visit clubmandalay.com.au. Oh, that's intense. Oh, yeah, it's good. It's good. It's 20 more good. coming up as we take a breather after the news headlines. Good stuff still to come this morning. Your calls, one 736 736 uh, Just under half an hour if you want to get involved in that. Got some good prizes to give away. We're here for the Kogan Money credit card pack full of value and Steve Monaghetti coming up very, very shortly. Uh, Scoob, there's a race at a number of clubs as to who's going to captain the teams. Um, one How of those many clubs, clubs is there? There's well, six or seven without captains at the minute, well, isn't there? There would be, yeah, when you go through it. I'm not sure what Adelaide will do. Um, probably time for Rory to step aside, I would have thought. Not sure what Fremantle will do with Nat Fife. Uh, Brisbane, Dane Zorka, I, I probably think they'll move away from him. We've got Essendon, um, we've got Collingwood, we've got Hawthorne. So let's uh, let's go to Hawthorne because Luke Bruce is probably Hawthorne's best player. I think it's obvious that James Sicily will captain the Hawks, mm. but uh, let's have a listen to what Luke thinks. You don't win the best and fairest like James did last year without being a really consistent performer and, and leading from the front. So um, those characteristics end up being a reason why you put your name forward. So uh, as you said, I probably didn't see it that early on, but now you watch him go about it. Um, he's been able to rein in his anger, channel it in the right direction and then lead, lead really well. That he has done. He was, a, he was an angry player, and, but not in a bad way, I didn't think. Like I always, 
I thought he you know, at times gave away the odd undisciplined free kick and was visibly frustrated. There's no doubt, though, he's he's reined that in. He, I, I just think he, he captains the club, although Hawthorne have been a bit patient with the announcement, and that's their right. I think they're off to a pre-season camp today, and he'd expect an announcement sometime in early Feb. He went on to discuss how James Sisley has gone about building those relationships with his teammates. He pretty much forced himself to... Uh, get out and play golf and learn golf and, and get better at it so that he could then play with some of our senior guys and, and build those build those relationships. Not not a bad golf. way to... It's a, well, it's good, isn't it? A lot of time. A lot of time. Plenty of time to chat. Um, gets rid of some of those frustrations that he may have because you know, nothing, nothing like Absolutely duck hooking a seven iron and being on a back hole of a golf course and being able to, you know, express your feelings. But, can I want to ask you this. With all the leadership groups, you know, and the amount of time you know, coaches spend with players now and the amount of coaches within footy clubs, is a captain more or less important than it used to be? Uh, a captain for me is... Most important on game day. Not so. I think we get distracted. I think we get distracted by just that, by leadership groups and leadership meetings and the title of captain. Give me a captain that plays consistently well and stands up in big moments, and that's how I judge captaincy. But other people will judge it differently. Others will say the off-field commerciality of of the role of the captain and all the other stuff you've got to do is important, and I'm not. It is and the relationships that Luke Bruce is talking about with James Sisley. But give me a captain when the game's on the line, Bontempelli stands up, takes the ball without fumbling, in traffic, makes a good decision or hits a target inside 50 at a pivotal moment of a big game. That's leadership for me. That's what. That's why Joel Selwood for me will always be probably my number one captain because when the game's in the balance, he wills himself to the contest. So I, I personally think we get a little bit distracted by relationships and leadership meetings and off-field stuff when what I want is that inspirational Wayne Carey captain that stands up in the big moment. But other people see it differently. How do you see it? I, I see it very similar. And Joel Selwood's a perfect example. There were times there where you'd watch footage, you know, just news, you'd be watching the news and you'd see him walking through you know, the lines as they were waiting to go and do a drill. You know, he'd tap someone on the bum and he'd mm. tap on the shoulder or just whisper in their ear. You could just see what he was doing. He, he was, even on the Monday night, he was, he was getting Kane Corns ready to play on Saturday. You know, and I, I thought that was brilliant. And he probably learnt that over time. He probably mm. you know, brought some things in from leaders he played under at Geelong that I thought he was outstanding in, in that manner, the way he would gesture to his players to help lift them and then was the first guy to put his head over the pill and go crunch. You know? So you so he, he he couldn't yeah, help but admire. He had all bases covered. And mm. anyone that speaks about Joel Selwood speaks about the relationships that he built. So he had all of that. But then if you're 10 points down at three-quarter time, you know the first person to get the centre clearance at the start of the last quarter is going to be Joel Selwood. Mm. Like, so he just had everything covered. But... He was unique. You can have your say on that and um, what is important for your team's captain and how do you rate captaincy as a whole? 0433981116. One man with the biggest set of lungs in Australia is our next guest. His name is Steve Monaghetti. Looking forward to speaking to Mona after this.
Steve Montagetti to join us very, very shortly. Race director of Run for Kids and, of course, Australian running and Australian sporting legend. James, ask, good morning, fellas. Question, just wondering who you think will be Adelaide's captain next year or this year, says James. I'll probably think Tom Duday, James. I'll be surprised if he is not. Uh, Trent Cochin is the same as Joel Selwood. Absolutely stood up when mm. he needed to do, especially in the premiership years, says Mark. Um, would you believe that breakdancing is at the next Olympics in Paris? Who thinks up this crazy stuff? Why not monster trucks, 10-pin bowling, wood chopping, says, <laughs> says Dean. Well, a man who's been to many Olympics for his country and represented us with immense pride is our next guest. His name is Steve Monaghetti. Mona, thanks for joining us. Kane, Simon, how are you going? Today. Good to chat again. Yeah. We're very, very well. Uh, run for Kids, Run for the Kids is back. You're the race director again, uh, March the 19th, I think it is. Um, tell us about the event and for anyone who's wanted to sign up and have a run alongside of you, how do they go about it? Yeah, that's correct. I'm actually running. I've only ever done the event uh, once before just to sort of get a bit of a feel for it. But this time I'm lacing up the shoes. I'm going okay. So I'm going to run the long mm. course. And it's a unique course, obviously, Kane and Simon over Balti Bridge and through the Domain Tunnel. And obviously the great thing for us is we raise so many great funds for the Royal Children's Hospital Good Friday appeal with over half your entry fee going to, to that great cause. And um, so that's why we do it. And we think it's a pretty unique course. So why wouldn't you want to run it? Short course, 4.6K in the long course, 146 Okay, so of course for everybody. And kids, this year we've introduced that the um, children are half price. So just to encourage and, and just to support. We know people are doing it pretty tough and we think it's a pretty unique event. So we want to get families along as well. Yeah, it's a magnificent event. So runforthekids.com.au if you want to check out the website and sign up and have a race. It's a magnificent day. Um, when he says he's going all right, Scoob. He's, he's going all right, yeah. He's been a little bit humble because Monty, you've just finally had your world record 60 plus for 5Ks ratified. Firstly, why did it take so long and where does this sit on your list of achievements? Oh, well, it's all relative. Yeah, I appreciate the, you know, I, I you know, I, I ch- like to challenge myself and I've just turned 60 and set a couple of new challenges. And well, it, the reason it took so long was because I, I did it at a track meet in Collingwood that was. You know, they weren't too sure if it was only six lanes. It's meant to be an eight-lane track, and uh, the meet wasn't sort of um, at a high permit level, but I had official timing, and, you know, I knew I was going for it, so I set it up so people were aware. And and um, I think they believed me. It was still 12 and a half laps around a 400-metre track, which in my book's 5K, apparently. So <laughs> yeah, apparently. that was about right. But, and, yeah, it was just nice to have it public it was more for me just to, rather than have to justify it all the time even you know because i i think i'm going pretty well and i was telling people i'd probably be you know still going pretty well for my age well now i've got a you know a record or a, an actual certificate or time that says yes i actually am well it's, it's been well documented your your passion and and the success you've had as an athlete all sports are challenged with participation and, and getting kids to involved in their sports at a young age. What's the participation level like from an athletic point of view with, with youngsters these days? And have you seen changes from when you started, those numbers to now? Oh, absolutely. And recreational running. One thing, you know, I've just 
been so tickled pink with. There's so many other people now. I used to go, you know, go to places and go, oh, I'm a marathon runner and I run this amount of... Mate, oh, you're crazy. Whereas now it's normalised and I can have a conversation with lots of... You know, Kane's a good example. So, I'm, so I, I've just loved that. And kids participating in athletics, you wouldn't believe the numbers. We've got down at the local track here in Ballarat, we've got a really good uptake in things like you know, Commonwealth Games here in regional Victoria and uh, Brisbane Olympics. The issue we have is they get to about 18 and, and we lose them for about um, 10 years and then they, they come back when they're in their 30s. You know, we're seeing Sinead Diver, she's about to turn 46, you know, break the Australian marathon, women's marathon record last year. And so there's a real, um, real interest in, in our sport. And, you know, I love running and I've sold it to you guys over many years and it's yeah. just been so terrific to see other people now enjoying what I love about running and the feeling you get, the, the um, you know, sometimes the mental and well-being benefits. And there's just so many, that's why I do it. I don't do it because I'm good at it. I do it because I love it and, you know, I get so many other benefits in my life by still doing it. You mentioned that that uh, Australian record that Sinead Diver had broken, it, a long-standing record as well. And, and on the men's side as well, they both dropped on the on the same day with Brett Robinson taking over from from Deke. Were you surprised it took so long with the advancements in training and sports science, and in particular the shoe technology? Oh yeah, obviously. And I wanted, you know, I was, you know, we want our sport to progress and thrive and. Now, with so many people participating, Kane, it was great that at the top end, we're also seeing that reflected in the times and the progression. And we were dropping, you know, a little bit, you know, the world record's gone from, you know, in my time from mm. 2648 to 201. So, you know, that's a five-minute progression. And yet our um, marathon runners were, you know, we were still, each record stood for 30, 36 yeah. years and the women's, the need is for 16 years so it was just too long and it's great to see with all you know you've got all the technology you like Kane you still got to run it you still got to exactly. get those legs over the 42.2k as quick as you can and it's been terrific to see that progression and it's great to be in distance running athletics obviously but my specific discipline of distance mm. running and you know hopefully that inspires people to come along and do things like run for the kids and, and see that future of um, they can represent Australia and be world class and the World Athletics Cross uh, Country Championships is in Bathurst on, on February the 18th. So we're holding that here in this country. There hasn't been a lot of publicity around it, but there will be in the lead up to the event. Uh, it's unique, isn't it? Uh, the best six Australians will run for the, for the men and the women over 10Ks. How do you think we'll go? Um, because, as you know, distance running across the world is pretty competitive. Oh, and I love my, you know, I went to 10, 11, apparently. I thought it was 10. Someone told me it was 11 World Cross countries. It's the greatest race in the world. It's it's like the, the Melbourne Cup for, for humans, you know, the start. There's 200 runners just go hell for leather when, they, when the gun goes, and it's just a great race. So Bathurst, we're so excited. It's never been in Australia before. We've only had it in this part of the world. It was in New Zealand in 1990, and the best distance runners in the world, men, women, are going to be here. We've got this. We've got a mixed relay on the Saturday. Two men and two women. We've got two k legs. I reckon we've got a we've got a chance in that. We've got Stewie and Ollie running, and mm. uh, Abby Cole and Jessica Hull. It's a pretty strong Australian team, so that'd be a lovely way to kickstart the the competition. Have a competitive team there, and no, it's just exciting to have it in Bathurst, Feb 18, not far away. And there's Masters events, there's mass participation, there's an event for everybody up there as well.
Going to be magnificent. Can't wait for it. Can't wait for Run for the Kids as well. Runforthekids.com.au. Mona, such a passionate advocate for the sport. The race director again. Appreciate your time as always. Thanks for your support, Simon. Kane, we'll see you on the start line. Cheers. Yep, no doubt uh, about it. So that is March the 19th, which is round one as well. Unfortunately, I'll be on, on the TV on that on that day, but I uh, won't be able to run. Would love to run as well. Uh, and Abby Coldwell is superstar athlete as well. She's on air with Dwayne today. So stick around for that. So you've just turned 60. Mona's just turned 60, and he's just punched out 5Ks in 15 minutes and 52 seconds, which is a world record for 60 pluses. How, how would you compete with that? Oh, just behind. Just, yeah. yeah. He yeah. could pace you. Yeah. Length or two. I probably just need a little bit, of, a little bit more work, and I might keep with him probably for the first hundred, two hundred. <laughs> isn't oh, that extraordinary? Fifteen, quite extraordinary. Sixty-year-old, yeah, oh, it's 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 amazing. I mean, and to think that, I mean, he was running two hundred k's a week from the time he was, oh, I guess, nineteen, twenty years of age. So to still be do it forty years later and to still be running that quick, it it, it blows me away. I'm. I'm so inspired by him as an advocate uh, for health and, and running and, and sport in this country. Uh, we are nearly out of time, but we'll take a little breather here and, and come back. Plenty of time if you still want to send us a text. We can uh, read those out for temper, 0433981116. And we're doing it all thanks to the Kogan Money credit card. It is packed full of value. Uh, seven minutes to nine o'clock. It's 22 minutes after eight if you're with us on 1629 SENSA. I've really enjoyed this morning. Thanks for your company. Thanks to everyone who sent us a text, gave us a call, played Last Fan Standing, which was thrilling, and uh, joined in with the program on what was a special morning for Simon O'Donnell, who's just turned 60 and has dominated as always. But coming up next on <laughs> SEN Mornings, who has also been dominating over the summer, been doing a power of work, is Julian Stoop. Jules. Uh, what do you got coming up for us this morning? Hello, Kane. Uh, loved your talking point about uh, Tom DeConing. See, it's not just me that talks about Essendon and Simon. Kane mm. talks about the Bombers. What do you think? As, well, I, I would have thought my, my argument would be if you're paying big money for Tom DeConing, Kane, aren't you paying him to come in and be your number one ruckman and as a bit of a forward? To me, he feels it's... like he's more of a ruckman than he'll be a forward in time. Yeah, well, I think everyone's looking for those dual roles, though. Um, those that can actually be a ruckman but rest forward because because they're rare. So, uh, yeah, well, it's a question that you can pose to the Essendon fans. I think he's perfectly suited there, but there's a number of clubs that would be after him. What I do know, though, is that um, there's a few Carlton fans that are nervous, which yeah. um, which is always nice. Yeah, and I'll also pose the question, not who are your three best players, but off the back of, you know, Peter Wright and then obviously Mitch Lewis is yep. a, a big one. Who are your three most important structural players? Who are the three players the coach puts on the board and you're building your team from there? Yep. It's not your I three best, but your three most important structural players. Mitch Lewis is Hawthorne's number one. And Peter Wright would be in Essendon's top three. So they're the, and Max King, of course, at St Kilda. So they're the ones you just can't lose. Good questions to ask. Scoob, great work from you. Jules DeStoop is up next with SEN Mornings. Give him a call.